This episode of 11 Point Collar is brought to you by Trial by Stone and Weirdos Like You. It's 11 Point Collar, hosted by JD Frog Scout Hansel. Welcome, Henson fans, to the 68th episode of 11 Point Collar. I'm your host, J.D. Gelfling Hansel, and today we're continuing our big event on Muppet Hub called 10 Days of Jim and Frank. This has been an exciting experiment in which we've been putting out new content, exploring the relationship between Jim Henson and Frank Oz every day, with the exception of Wednesday when I took the day off for my birthday. Just recently, we released our personality quiz, Which Dark Crystal Character Are You?, and today, we're going to follow that up with a podcast episode on the Jim Henson and Frank Oz classic, The Dark Crystal. I know I've already done a podcast episode on this movie in the past, so if you've never seen the film before, or even if you have but you need a refresher, I highly recommend checking out episode number 59 of 11PC. I would actually say that if you haven't seen Dark Crystal yet, go get a copy from the library and watch it before listening to the interview in this episode. Speaking of the interview in this episode, my guest is Philip Mitchell, the host of Trial by Stone, which is a Dark Crystal podcast you should subscribe to. I mean, to which you should subscribe. I hate grammar. Additionally, Philip is working on a Dark Crystal documentary, which I'm really looking forward to, uh, to which I'm really looking forward. This is a terrible language. Let's all learn the language the Skeksis were supposed to speak. That would be fun. Before we jump into this interview, just so we all have a refresher as to what the heck this movie is about, let's take a listen to this. The Dark Crystal. It begins as a quest. You must find the shard. The crystal shard. The crystal shard? To save our world, Gilding. A wonderful fantasy adventure. journey into a mystical realm of sights and sounds. Enter the world of the Dark Crystal. What do you want to know? You want to know what this is all about? Is that it, Gelflin? Now, from directors Jim Henson and Frank Oz and Gary Kurtz, the producer of Star Wars, comes a new dimension of fantasy and adventure. to another world, another time, in the Age of Wonder, the Dark Crystal. (laughs) 
I am now joined by Philip Mitchell of the Trial by Stone podcast. He's the host of the only podcast dedicated specifically to the Jim Henson and Frank Oz classic, The Dark Crystal. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Great to talk to you. I've, I've listened to your podcast a bit. And, um, well, you know, there are a few podcasts now dedicated to the work of Jim Henson and the Muppets. And you've narrowed the focus a bit on your show by focusing on one film and... Uh, it's spin-offs, just that sort of one section of the Henson fandom. So what made you decide to do a Dark Crystal podcast? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I guess I- I'm a big fan of um, podcasts, so I mean, I love listening to podcasts in general. Uh, probably the big influence uh, is uh, the-, the Star Wars podcast, Rebel Force Radio. And, um, and I-, I think as well as I sort of, I mean, I've always been a fan of the Dark Crystal, you know, I loved it as a kid. And with the relaunch of the Dark Crystal website, um, darkcrystal.com, that was launched, um, you know, a year or two ago, that sort of fandom was sort of rising up um, with the Dark Crystal. And I guess as a fan, I was was actually more curious to see if there was um, any podcasts uh, like about the Dark Crystal. And, uh, you know, I did a search on the iTunes search um, for podcasts and... um, I mean, there was uh, like a lot of shows that do, you know, talk about it, but not like a show that's specific uh, just for the Dark Crystal. That was just something that I thought, you know, there might be just something interesting to do to do a show that's just about this one film, but also, you know, later on, you know, with the podcast to um, discuss some of the um, other things uh, to do with the Dark Crystal, with the um, with the stories, with the books, you know, that there, there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, we've got... Um, you know, the third volume of um, uh, Creation Myths, which is like a graphic novel series um, that sort of tells a story. It's sort of like a prequel to the whole story of the Dark Crystal. Right. And I know um, J.M. Lee, um, there was, I mean, there was a contest um, that started the Dark, Quist- the Dark Crystal website. Uh, uh, they were looking for, you know, an author to, to write a, um, a prequel um, young adult novel and um, J.M. Lee, so there was this big contest about it, and um, J.M. Lee won, and he's currently writing the uh, the book, which um, I believe is due to be released uh, sometime next year. So, yeah, there's, I mean, there, there is a couple of things to look forward to um, for Dark Crystal fans, and um, yeah, just hope, you know, to do a show that sort of to chat with fans, and also um, some of the creative team who worked on the film um, with the Dark Crystal, and... Um, and so, you know, just dissect and sort of analyze um, the film itself. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So, now I've known some people who, uh, they'll be very invested in a fandom that seems, you know, it might be limited to one movie, like they might be a big fan of the 1939 Wizard of Oz movie specifically, and I always kind of wondered, how does that how does that work when you're very focused on one particular film? How much is there to talk about? And so, I mean, obviously you're also into Star Wars and a bunch of other different things as, as we all are, but is it tough then trying to come up with new things to talk about or new people to talk to, uh, new people to interview who have some involvement in the Dark Crystal and things like that? No, I mean, I don't think so when it comes to the Dark Crystal. I think there's a lot to really um, discuss and to really look at, you know, some scenes from the film. I, I know at the moment my show has sort of mainly been, you know, interview kind of based, but I think like, um, 
I mean, although I'm always thinking of ideas like for episodes of the show. Um, I mean, they'd, they'd be like, you know, much later on down, down the track if I uh, get the chance to. Like, I'd love to sort of uh, really look into like the music um, of the Dark Crystal because there was um, a lot of material that um, Trevor Jones, uh, the composer, uh, scored for the film but got cut out of the film. And also, I think, you know, there's a lot of um, in-depth uh you know, behind the scenes. The Dark Crystal is very um, mythological as well. So there was definitely a lot of um, inspirations uh, from the Dark Crystal, like um, like the book, um, I think that Jim Henson uh, read quite a bit, uh, Seth Speaks, um, which, I mean, I haven't read it myself, but it's something that, you know, I'm definitely curious enough to actually, you know, give it a read and, and to look into, you know, the inspirations, you know, from the Dark Crystal as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, the film itself, like, yeah, it is a pretty kind of straightforward, very simple film, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing uh, visually, and um, I think there's a lot of stories um, at hand, so a lot of stories that you don't really see in the film that might be happening behind the scenes, um, you know, just the idea that you know, for a thousand years, sort of the bad guys ruled the world and it was sort of left up to these, you know, um, to Jen, um, the Galfling to sort of, you know, restore peace and, you know, to heal the dark crystal and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a story that's still, and a film that still, you know, even holds up to the, to this day, you know, all, you know, almost, uh, uh, 28 years later. Yeah. Visually, it's still mind blowing and can still have people going, how in the world was this done? And today, I mean, if we were to get a Dark Crystal movie today, like a sequel or something like that, which of course has been talked about, if that were done with CG, I think that that would take a lot of the fun out of it, just because then we wouldn't be left wondering how exactly was this done, what all went into making this amazing visual artistry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess the thing with the film is... um it always had yeah, a sense of believability, a, um, a suspension of disbelief uh, with the film. But I, I think if I do go ahead with a sequel, I still feel um, if they did, um, I mean, ideally I would love to, you know, to be, you know, sort of in that similar way that the first, that the, uh, the Dark Crystal is. Um, like, you know, I, like I'd be okay, you know, with, you know, having some CGI where it's like, you know, just background plates or you know, that sort of thing. Um, but for the most part, I would love to see, you know, if I ever did revisit the, uh, to doing a sequel to try and go back to, uh, what worked, you know, from the first film and sort of go beyond that. I mean, I think at, at the moment, even like with the, um, upcoming, um, with the Star Wars, um, episode seven, the force awakens. Um, I know there was a, a video, the force for change video, where you saw this kind of this creature uh, walking in the background while um, J.J. Abrams was talking and a lot of people were saying how, you know, it looked like something out of the Dark Crystal. Um, so, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe, you know, from Star Wars that um, the, the studios and um, not just for Dark Crystal, but just for any film sort of, you know, to um, uh, put less emphasis on the CGI and try to do things, you know, for real um practically yeah practically with, yeah with puppets yeah definitely and i think i mean it, i guess it's, it's so sad you know 
that it's been uh, 25 years since um, the passing of Jim Hansen and what he would have been doing right now. Um, and um, I mean, for example, like, you know, he was always fascinated about, um, about technology. So um, I think maybe, you know, if he was, you know, still here today and did do a Dark Crystal sequel that was CGI, I think, I mean, it's his, his vision, but I think, um, I think CGI would, might have been something that he would have been very interested in. Um, and especially with our motion capture, um, I think would be something that, you know, he was, you know, you know, if only that, that existed during the dark crystal, I think, um, if you had motion capture, like, you know, especially with like the mystics and the Skeksis, because, um, you know, some of the costumes were uh, heavy and, you know, with some of the costumes. Um, so it would have, so it would have been interesting, I guess, like if they did do the dark crystal today, if, if they would use elements of, um, motion capture to sort of, um, bring some of those characters to life. Um, I know like, Andy Serkis, like he's the master of, <laughs> of motion capture. Um, and you know, just some of the motion capture lately, like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and, um, several other films. Um, yeah, I mean, it just would be interesting. Yeah. What Jim Henson would have done with motion capture and with this, you know, new technology that's, that's here today. Yeah. Did you happen to see, uh, by any chance that article or those articles, I guess that came out earlier this month? that were about uh, uh, someone who was formerly attached to the Dark Crystal 2 project, uh, talked a bit about why he left. Did you happen to see that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have actually. Um, yeah, I briefly uh, looked about it um, with, um, I was just trying to think the filmmaker's name. Uh, I think it was uh, Sean... uh, Shane, Shane Abess, is that how you'd say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Shane Abess, yeah, because I think he was promoting um, a sci-fi film. And, um, yeah, he brought up about the, the sequel to The Dark Crystal because um, uh, this would have been back in in the late 2000s, um, which is interesting uh, that, um, I mean, I, I, I actually didn't, I don't, I don't think anyone knew that he was even involved in The Dark Crystal. I mean, at the start was um, uh, Gennady and then the Sprague brothers, um, so it was interesting to see that there was a third filmmaker who was sort of on board at the time. And, uh, yeah, I've read his quote that, yeah, like basically, um, they wanted to go in a different direction that Jim Henson sort of laid out for what he wanted to do for a sequel. Um, though it, it's always seemed a bit, um, contradictory. Like I know even, um, people asked, um, I think Gary Kurtz was interviewed one time, um, about a Dark Crystal sequel, whether Jim Henson had any plans for it. And Gary Kurtz was pretty much, no, you know, I don't think he really, you know, uh, had anything down that sort of the Dark Crystal sort of works as a self-contained movie. I mean, because, I mean, with a Dark Crystal, it's, it's almost a bit like um, Return of the Jedi in a way that, you know, back then, you know, that like with Return of the Jedi, how sort of like everything gets wrapped up very nicely. Um, and I felt like that was the case with that, the Dark Crystal, you know, like the, the film ends and it's sort of like, well, where can you go from there? Like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see, um, yeah, if, if the sequel to the film is ever going to happen. I, for, unless, for... It, unless it sucks, in which case it, it probably shouldn't be made. But, you know, 
<laughs> well, that can be avoided. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open with you know, um, if I do make a, a sequel. Um, Fascinating. Now, do you prefer? This may be a silly question since you're doing a Dark Crystal podcast, but do you prefer the Dark Crystal to Labyrinth? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, with, with Labyrinth, I, I never really grew up with Labyrinth. Um, it was always the Dark Crystal. Um, I think it's just because um, I'd never had a um had a recorded copy of the tape on VHS um because uh, I think that's yeah when I first saw that Dark Crystal was on VHS I was just uh recorded on the TV you know on VHS so I just watched that you know hundreds of times um but yeah I never got to that that makes a difference <laughs> yeah so I think because of that um you know it'd be something that, you know, my parents would record and I guess uh Labyrinth probably never popped up you know to to record a you know a movie of it um on the tv so um but i mean like i i did watch i think the first time i watched labyrinth was probably about probably like five or six years ago um oh wow yeah 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 and like not not too long ago that i sort of like you know so like okay you know i'll actually watch this film and um like i, I don't mind it like I, I like i enjoy it but um yeah i don't know just um it's just sort of not my thing. Um, I think I like the idea of... I think I like the Dark Crystal more. It's just more... There's a more believability world. Um, whereas I don't know... You know, having the act, you know, having actors and puppeteers um, sort of worked well. Um, and I think... And also, The Labyrinth is a very 80s film. Uh, compared to the Dark Crystal, where it's like, whereas, you know, you could watch the Dark Crystal right now and, you know, it doesn't scream 80s to you. Like, this was made in the 80s. Like, it could have been made as if it was made, you know, today or or in the 90s or or whatnot. I mean, mean, the Dark Crystal does have some, you know, some really, um, you know, old school sort of animation, like, you know, with the crystal bats, like, you know, no, that's just, you know, animation, 2D animation. But... But for the most part, like, yeah. yeah, it's still a film that, you know, uh, yeah, as if it was, you know, made it today. Up. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that was... Th- I mean, timeless. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what was really interesting when The Dark Crystal came out in cinemas, that it sort of did okay in the box office, whereas with Labyrinth, um, it flopped, essentially, but had a big cult following uh, when it came out on video... Um, Whereas with the Dark Crystal, it sort of, sort of went in the background uh, for the most part, and uh, and, and that, that's something that I'm hoping to do with the uh, with the podcast and um, and also with the documentary as well to really um, uh, to really show sort of the making of the film, you know how the puppeteers got got on board with the film and and how much work they really did to uh, make the project happen, but also interview with fans. Um, to you know to find out how they got really inspired by the um dark crystal um uh, you know to further their careers whether it's like you know they got into filmmaking or became an artist or became a sculptor um or a painter because of the dark crystal and the and the influence that it had on them yeah now uh in this in this interview so far i don't think we've really talked a bit about uh, the documentary project that you've been involved in. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So basically the documentary is, um, uh, just sort of 
looking at the the cultural and um, artistic effects uh, of the Dark Crystal and really going really go into detail, I guess, on on a bit about the making of the film, but also uh, interviewing um, have an opportunity to interview some fans and and even some of the creative team that worked um, on the film uh, about the Dark Crystal. Um, I think it's a kind of a documentary of its kind because, um, because there hasn't been a lot of, um, I mean, there's been a couple of documentaries that have, uh, been told about the dark crystal, you know, through the DVD and, you know, Blu-ray releases. Um, but I think it'd be something that it'd be interesting to kind of, you know, really go in depth on, on those, um, aspects of the dark crystal and, and also in a way to introduce, um, new audiences, uh, the dark crystal as well you know the, you know there might be that um opportunity that there'd be people that might actually watch the documentary the first time but never heard of the dark crystal so yeah i mean it, it's a very exciting at the moment like um so i've been collaborating with um jamie prater on the documentary so i'm from australia and he's from the u.s so we've been doing a lot of you know communication through skype and and facebook um just messaging you know all these ideas that we have in mind. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. Like right now we've sort of been working on, um, sort of like a, a, a pitch concept trailer, uh, for the documentary, um, that we hope, you know, will, will be up, uh, in, in a month or two. And then, and then shortly after, uh, try and, um, get a, a, a crowdfunding campaign, uh, for it as well. And, um, like we're hoping you know, with the crowdfunding to, um, to travel, to even tra- travel to a couple of countries, um, uh, particularly, um, uh, the UK where some of the, uh, stuff that was shot from the dark crystal, uh, was shot there, um, with exterior locations. And, um, yeah, so it's just, it's just very exciting and, and um, yeah, very much looking forward to, you know, working on yeah. it. And- yeah, that is exciting indeed. Uh, so I know that as puppetry fans, the two of us can really appreciate the Dark Crystal for its technical artistry. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but, well, okay, I do know somewhat, <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm a movie buff, I've got a passion for film, and I can also appreciate some you know, good-looking shots in a film, the good visuals and cinematography and things like that. But for those who aren't as fascinated by visuals puppets or effects it seems like the dark crystal may be a little lacking in things like story and characters would you agree disagree like yeah i mean with the story um that was sort of something that was always second um with jim so for him it was always about creating the world first making the world believable and and all that kind of stuff then the story came second um and yeah i mean i like i, I agree that the um the story, you know, is, is, um, pretty, you know, pretty simple, straightforward, but, you know, watching the film and the story and stuff, it sort of gives you, um, you know, thoughts about of where, you know, what, what happened before the events of the film, you know, what happened in that thousand year, you know, gap in between when, when the Skeksis cracked, uh, you know, when they cracked the crystal to, you know, before Jen's journey, um, I think there's a lot to cover. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I find like sort of that thousand year gap is pretty, um, interesting. And, uh, and I mean, that's what they've been doing with the, um, 
with the uh, the Dark Crystal Creation Myths um, graphic novels um, that there's almost pretty much like in a way like the Bible <laughs> to the Dark Crystal um, sort of giving you this backstory of how how the world was formed and how Olgra came to be and and um, how she lost her uh, right eye and and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, it's um. So yeah, well, the film itself is simple, but um, I think there's a lot to really look into, um, you know, when it comes to the, the the mythology of the film. Right. It certainly does seem like it's sort of designed to get you to keep wondering about what else could be there in this world that just seems infinite with millions of possibilities for, you know, different things that could have happened all throughout its history, making everything the way that it is and creating the complex world that we see on screen, which does indeed make it a very fascinating film to study, I think. And it's, it's certainly interesting enough for its own podcast, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even like, so, you know, thoughts I have like with the film is like, you know, I'd love to see, you know, if I did like a prequel film that sort of went uh, about how sort of the Galfings became extinct, you know, how they got wiped out by the Skeksis and the Gartham and, just like what horrible things you know they would have gone through um you know and and i mean like you know even though yeah with the story being simple it's a pretty dark film too um yes it is in that regard yeah which might have turned people off if they were coming expecting something with the jim henson name on it to be cute and cuddly yeah definitely yeah i mean i mean you you've you've got your podlings but i know those skexies and the gotham like yeah you know for a, for a young kid, you know, like they terrifying. were terrifying. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and even Olga, you know, her, you know, when you first introduce her to the character, you know, she just you know grabs her eye out, you know, and then puts it back in. It's like, oh, that's gross, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And also, like, I mean, the film is a bit of a, I, I would probably describe it as a, you know, an emotional roller coaster. Like, you have so many emotions, you know, throughout the film, you know, from being terrified, uh, scared. Or being happy, you know, seeing, you know, the mystics and, you know, or fizz gig, you know, the humor, um, happiness with Kira, um, and, and sad again towards the end of the film, uh, you know, when Kira gets, you know, stabbed in, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I think like sort of those would come into play, you know, I think that's probably the most important thing when it comes to, uh, you know, with films, um, having at least having an emotion emotional connection to the film uh regardless you know of the film whether you know whether you loved it or you hate it you know for filmmakers you know that's that's it means something at least you know yeah uh now do you have a favorite character in the film or favorite scene anything like that yeah uh my favorite character um um you know there's a lot of characters um with the dark crystal i think my favorite character would have to be Jen. And, um, I, I think the reason that I really like Jen is sort of, um, I guess I, I relate to him in a way that, um, growing up, um, because I guess, because I, I lived out, uh, I used to live sort of like on a farm in rural. So I was sort of, you know, a couple of hundred acres, uh, farm property. So, I sort of had that aspect of being able to explore the farm, you know, being able to wander off wherever I can go and all that kind of stuff. So I did have a bit of sense of Jen, you know, sort of, you know, 
finding my way around things um, and all that kind of stuff. And also um, probably the language as well. Um, Cause I know like with the Gelflings um, they speak, you know, the language is very kind of, you know, basic English. And, um, and I, I used to had, um, uh, I used to take a lot of speech therapy classes cause I always had, uh, always struggled to uh, communicate, to say words properly um, so as a kid, I think my language was always almost similar to Jen, um, in that my words would be just, you know, very simplified and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Now, I think that, uh, the simplicity of Jen, it, it may be something of a, perhaps a minimalist approach in that it seems like the character, I mean, he has his own personality, of course, but it seems sort of like perhaps he's designed so that the audience can sort of project themselves onto him. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but that might have been a thought in the process there with not giving him a too terribly distinct personality in one way or another. Or at least it doesn't, it doesn't seem that uh, distinct or complex to me. Uh, do you see it differently? Or um, no, uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, and I think the same case can also be said for, you know, even a character like Luke Skywalker, if you watch, you know, like in A New, a New Hope, like he's just a, you know, young farm boy who sort of wants to be out there, you know, um, you know, joining the academy and all that kind of stuff. But um, his, you know, his uncle and auntie kept, you know, pushing him back, you know, we need you on the farm and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think um, a lot of people re- relate to... Um, to Luke in that way, um, sort of thing. Yeah, so, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. So, if you had to sum up why someone should watch The Dark Crystal, somewhat briefly, what would you say? Because, it's a big question, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I always I, end with the really big <laughs> ones. Um, because it's a film like no other. Just because, yeah, it, you know, it's still really a film of its kind, that the whole film is, you know, there's no actors in it. It's all done by puppetry and, um, and, and, and magic essentially. Um, that's how I sort of look at the, the dark crystal. Um, like even though, you know, no sort of an idea of, you know, how things are made and behind the scenes of it, but I can still, you know, sit down and watch it and sort of still be amazed of how they actually, um, pulled it off essentially. Very cool. Very cool. So, can you tell the listeners where we can find your podcast online and where we can, you know, follow you on social media, that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, follow the podcast at facebook.com forward slash trial by stone podcast. Um, also on Twitter, which is at trial by stone pod. And, um, and also if you want to, um, uh, like also the, the documentary, the great conjunction, the legacy of the dark crystal, um, you can find us at Facebook at, facebook.com forward slash dark crystal doc and also on twitter at dark crystal doc um i know at the moment with the um with the documentary page um what i've actually been doing is um every day i've actually been releasing a still image uh from the film that was actually sort of inspired by um uh, there was this book uh book series or that came out called Wars frames and basically um George Lucas, he went, you know, after episode three was made, he went back to all the six films and he wanted to make a book where he just chose like just frames from the film to put in one big book, essentially, um, you know, that he personally selected. 
And it was from the inspiration of that that I sort of like, oh, it'd be interesting to do, you know, like to pick out sort of 365 frames uh, from the Dark Crystal, just as a bit of experiment. Um, but it's been kind of fun, like, you know, so even people who've just got to like the page, they can scroll back and look at all the images and, um, you know, really shows off the um, the art and, um, and the work that the people, you know, from the film uh, pulled off to make it happen. That sounds really, really great. I'll certainly, uh, I'll certainly have to check that out. Thank you so much for being here and uh, and chatting with us today. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much, JD. And that brings us to the end of another one. But before we go, I'd like to thank Phil for being on the show and ask that you check out his podcast, Trial by Stone, in iTunes. I'd also ask that you check out everything we're doing as a part of 10 Days of Jim and Frank at MuppetHub.com, where you'll find previous episodes of this podcast and much more. Like us on Facebook at MuppetHub.com Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and other places I don't like as much as JD11PC. And please send us an email with your thoughts on the event we're doing or anything else related to Jim Henson and or the Muppets. Thanks for listening, and until next time, waka waka, wubba wubba, weeba weeba, and mmm. Oh.